Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here. As always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with the big Aston Villa season review. We do this every single season at the end where we get all of our co-host panelists, whatever you want to call every single one of us. Um, I guess you can call us nonsensical idiots. You could call us just normal fans that think we have an opinion. I don't know. This is where we all just come together, have our say, and reflect on what has been an absolutely fantastic mental unbelievable pinch myself season for Aston Villa but nonetheless let's get over to all the fellas now Simon we'll start with you how's it going yeah not too bad thank you uh yeah like you say it's been a strange season that's obviously ended brilliantly but funny that I was chatting to a mate in work today it, it doesn't feel like it's the same season where we lost to Bournemouth on, on the opening day like I don't know maybe the World Cup break as well. It just feels like it's gone on for a long time, but I think uh, I think we're all pretty happy with how it's finished anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a little uh, in in the shock category of what has happened, but maybe in a few years I'll actually accept where we are now. But regardless of that, Tom, how's it going for you, my friend? Yeah, not too bad. It's been well, it's been like eight days since the season finished. I don't know about you guys. It feels like weeks for me. I think because finally we'd got into a routine of like watching Villa dominate teams every week and watching, you know, like going in, not necessarily expecting a positive result, but like knowing that Villa can win every game. Always miss Villa when they're not on, but it's harder to face the reality of like three months without Villa uh, this time around, given what came before. 100% and of course, Tom actually wrote a piece for the website 7500holt.com. Go check that out. It's went down very, very well. Um, Somehow he wrote basically... Um, Aston Villa's season summarized within an hour. I, I don't know how he did that. I would take me forever, but it was perfectly written. Um, aside from my own spelling errors <laughs> in the description that I wrote, but regardless of that, they were all fixed and all that. But go check that out if you want to have a little bit more reflection after listening to the entirety of this podcast. But let's go to the young man, Seb. Seb, how's it going? And of course, are you happy to, and very excited to talk about Unai Emery? That's the second time you've asked me that, and I'm look, I'm never going to shy away from talking about him. It's it's nice to get the whole band back together. It feels like one of those family reunions where you always agree that it needs to happen more, and then it just never does. But it's not like we're short for topics, so I can't wait to dive into it. You'll you'll understand very soon why I keep asking you that. But if you were going to say we're all a family, Seb, who who would we be in this family? I do want to know quickly. Oh well, Simon's got to be the granddad, isn't he? <laughs> Um, I I feel like Cole and Daniel are like the the divorced parents who are forced to come back. They're, there's always some sort of tension between them, but they love each other deep down. And I'm then, always here. He's abandoned me. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and then Tom's a cousin I get on with. Nice. Thanks, man. <laughs> and of course, the uh, the return of the OG. The I, I guess the what what could you say the the John Carew to my Gabby. It is, of course, Danny Raza. Danny, how's it going? It's been about eight years. What's up, dude? I've been I've been around this season a little bit. It's like I've had like a Felipe Coutinho type season, I think. 
I don't know if that's something you're proud of. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. There's still some flair here. Um, no, no, guys, it's been it's been good. Um, it's been such a good season. I'm 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 really quite uh, chuffed to be back on. Um, it just so happens that the podcast or the season that I've been least available is the least miserable season um, since I started this because we were in the championship championship when I first started coming the whole cast, um, getting through the whole Brucey madness and everything. And yeah, uh, all I have to say is uh, I envy you guys getting um, getting the chance to just spill the beans every single week. Uh, when we when we have been getting closer and closer to Europe, what a season! It's uh, it, it's been a weird one. I don't I don't know if the success of Villa coincides with you disappearing. I, I hope it doesn't because the more Danny on this podcast, the more it makes people happy. And we do get people still tweeting us a- asking for Danny. Of course, he is alive. He is well, and he will be here as much as he hopefully can going into the future. He's a married man now. You know what that means. But regardless of that. Let's get into this chat. I've written down a number of different questions and topics. I don't know if we'll get to all of them because we could go on on and on and on and forever um, with this podcast. And we could probably split it into so many different episodes, we would get tired of talking about it, just maybe. But just to kick it off, an easy one here, Tom, I'll come to you first. General thoughts on the season. I mean, it's like we've all kind of summarized. It's been one to never forget, I guess you could say, and one that will always kind of sit in the back of our minds as an unforgettable one. But where does it sit with you? Yeah, I mean, what is it? First 13 years, last time we were uh, this position, last time we were in Europe. I don't know. The thing you got to bear in mind as well is for like, it's it's been so long. We don't realize it. Like I'm... Like I'm 30, started watching Villa in like 2001 or something. So like I don't really realize quite how long it's been until you spell it out. Like there's a whole generation of Villa fans who literally have never known us be this good, which is like a really weird feeling, especially considering that we started uh, genuinely like October, November time. I was thinking something doesn't change here. Like we're in a full on relegation battle again, all that talk in the summer about kicking on about Europe or whatever, but it goes to show how much things can change. Right. And if you, um, if you get big decision, right. Like we got a big decision, right. Um, I think it's fair to say that none of us would have expected quite the level of improvement quite so quickly, but I think we always knew that like the, the Villa team we've been watching for the last little while, were capable of a lot more than we were seeing. We just didn't uh, maybe didn't know quite how much more we are capable of. Yeah, and Simon, I'll come to you next. I mean, you you sit back and you look at this season and we've been on so many podcasts together um, throughout this season in particular and the roller coaster of opinions and how things have changed have definitely um, come through and become clear as the, the months have progressed. But what have you made of this season? It's just mental, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, the way we started was just so bad and... Like sort of what Tom said there, we we were we were just heading towards the relegation battle, and the the football that we were watching was was terrible. There was there was no game plan at all, and I think at the start of the season, I, I sort of looked at the squad and thought that there was a squad more than capable of of finishing in the top ten. But because we were so bad for those first couple of months, the way that we've turned it around so quickly has has just been so impressive, and. You sort of say that we'll look back at this 
as like our season now to forget. I think we could be looking back at this as like the start of something and getting back to to how we used to be when when I first started going down when, when I was but a young boy a long long time ago. Do we want to say that year, Simon, or should we keep that for viewers to keep guessing? Nineteen ninety seven, first time I went. Well, to put well, that in the season ticket, yeah. Okay, well, I was three, um, so you can put that into context. <laughs> but regardless of that, we'll, we'll go from the um, elder statesman of the podcast to the youngest member, and that being Seb. Seb, I mean, for you especially, and of course, I guess I can put myself in that category because I only kind of started following Villa um, <laughs> right when Lambert came in. Don't ask why, but regardless of that. We've witnessed a lot of crap in our uh, brief stints as Villa fans, but I mean, this has to top the cake even more than promotion, wouldn't you say? 100%. 100%. I feel like promotion was completely different context. I felt like we had to get promotion, whereas this almost feels a bit like a reward. I remember saying to Simon after after the end of the, the last game, and we were saying that we deserve this. It feels like for everything that's gone on in the last few years, you know, it, it, I don't want to quote Julian Lescott, but it does feel like a weight off our shoulders to um to finally be back. And it feels like to be back a lot sooner than expected. Um, if you'd have told me when we gained promotion not that long ago that this is the journey that we'd have been on, I don't think I'd have believed you. Um, it, it hasn't been easy getting here, but but like like Simon said, hopefully this is a start now and hopefully we can kick on and we look back at this as the turning point. 100%. And Danny, you and me have done, I don't know how many podcasts during um, Project Restart <laughs> where I, I think we were going to go insane. I think it was every like two or three days we were putting out a podcast, basically hoping Villa stayed up, hoping we wouldn't absolutely go mental and just... I don't know, pack it in in terms of fandom and everything else, the way things were going and how quick and fast things went. But to go from that to this, I mean, it's just kind of the perfect progression in the most mental way, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, this is what um, this is what we all wanted, right? We wanted, we wanted Villa to start pushing up for Europe. We, want, we wanted evidence of this five-year plan, um, which seems to be going well now. And uh, there was a point in time in this season where that wasn't going to happen. Um, and then all of a sudden, a point in time where it did happen, and we took, and it was, it was up until the last day, as well. You know, it could, we could sit, we could still be sitting here, kind of thinking, all right, well, where are we going to finish in the league next season? But we've got an extra thing to think about now, and that that thing being Europe, and I think that's great. But yeah, look, I think I don't want to, I want to stay objective, right? I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and gush over Villa because I think we have to start thinking about the club in a different light now because you know there's there's things there's there's different ways to frame things now right because it's not about okay great we finished in the top eight or okay great we finished in the top seven what are Villa going to do now to take that next step to be consistently here in that top six that's where I want to that's what I want to look at now because evidence these players have shown that they're capable of of of, of doing this but there have been times where they haven't been doing this um so will they keep it up next season I don't know, um, but this I said, uh, this I guess is is the start of me kind of expecting more from Villa. That's where I'm at. It, it's a dangerous game because I feel like again we've had so many podcasts where we've expected more and um, throughout the years, and um, we know <laughs> with Villa and expectations, the two don't always coincide. But of course, 
Um, like I said, this season has been one to remember. And I guess, Simon, I'll come back to you to start kind of the next um, segment off per se. I mean, when you look back at the season in its, in its entirety, is there one key moment or um, kind of turning point for you where you thought, you know what, this is the villa I want to see? And if so, what was it? Um, I think the, the win at Tottenham on New Year's Day, I think, was a big one. So I think we'd. I think we'd only had the one game after the World Cup before that, and that's we lost at home to Liverpool on Boxing Day. It's a game that, I mean, we, we could have got something from that one, but you know, sort of going away to Tottenham, we sort of struggles against a lot of these sort of so-called big six teams, uh, especially away from home. And that was like a really dominant performance. So I, I thought that that was kind of like a big turning point. And also... The the three games that we lost in the row in February and conceded the eleven goals. In a weird way, I thought that was a bit of a turning point because we kind of, even though we were losing, conceded a lot of goals. It would have been quite easy to for Emery to have sort of tried to scrap what he was doing and think, okay, you know, we, we you know we've had three defeats in the row, we've conceded eleven goals, so let's just change our tactics a little bit and try and get a bit more defensive. But he. He persisted with it, and I think that was a big thing because it. I think the the crowd sort of seeing that you've got a manager who's he's sticking by his convictions here and, and knows what he wants, and slowly the players started to get on board with it. So in a weird way, I thought the the three defeats kind of was a turning point, more more because of the way that we reacted from them. I think. It's a good point as well, because you need to have, like, as a new manager, it's all well and good when you come in and you have the new manager bounce and you have stuff going well, like beating United first game. Stuff of dreams are made of, really, for, like, a new manager. We can't ask any more than that. Winning away at Brighton next, wasn't it, after that, I think, before the World Cup break? Great win, obviously, in the context of Brighton's season. But it's that old saying, isn't it, where, like, sort of it's sort of easier, you know, things are going well. How much are you really learning from you know on a game by game basis whereas somebody like Emery we've all we all like to take we all like to take the piss in the affectionate way like seeing him on the laptop on the coach home and stuff like straight onto the next one Professor Unai doing his sort of research and stuff but for a manager like him who loves those details and works so hard at that stuff he'll have learned so much from those three games where we where we lost in a row so I think it's a fair point like you sort of needed adversity I think for him to realize what he was working with it's really interesting that that got brought up because it almost has been, it feels like a distant memory and I, I almost forgot that it happened. And I think people in the media, when we won our first two games, were very quick to go, this could be something that clicks here. And then they happen. And one of them was to Leicester, who were obviously struggling at the time at home and we were winning. So, you know, people were going, okay, well, maybe maybe let's not take them as seriously as we thought we could. And then we just continued with the performances and started backing it up and it felt like a trajectory then and we never really let slip after that my my answer would probably be Leicester away I feel like the players felt as though it was a big turning point as well it's not often that you see them all come over to the away support at the end and really you know lap up the singing and dancing that was going I think we were inside the ground for at least 20 minutes after the full-time whistle had gone and having that connection with the players, it really felt that something had changed then. 100%. I think, too, when you look back at this season, at least for me, 
I mean, of course, we can all say it start it ends and starts with Gerard going and Unai Emery coming in. But for me, it's almost the belief in the players and how that changed with that mentality. And of course, that comes with Unai Emery as well. But so many of these players for me were, I don't want to say harshly written off because at times maybe it was justified but the way that things change the way that certain players bought in you look at Ollie Watkins and the progression that he made um, through the second half of the season you look at John McGinn how he was criticized from I guess basically the start of his captaincy it looked like maybe the decision maybe wasn't justified and now you basically be fine to have anyone um, hard done by to say that he isn't captain material per se I mean the list goes on and on but for me that's at least where I stand with it and Seb I'll I'll come right back with this one I mean when you sit back and look at it as well and I mean we can think of so many different performances this season in particular but which one for you was your favorite or what was your the most complete performance of the season you would say I mentioned the Leicester game but I I think a shout out also has to go to Newcastle at home probably unexpected performance of the season that was one I was really worried about and I think a few people around me in the ground at the time were going well this will really test our metal here and we'll we'll learn a lot about the side from this because Newcastle have been flying all season by this point so to, to, I think I remember coming on the podcast after and saying that every single blade of grass at Villa Park was covered by a claret and blue persuasion. And I don't think that's an understatement at all. The way we absolutely bullied them really set the tone for the last few games to go. And I think that's what gave us the momentum and the belief that we actually, this isn't something that's in the distance. This could happen here. Oh, absolutely. Simon, what about you? I mean, there's so many great moments this season and fantastic performances, but what was your favourite? Um, favourite moment? Probably the Man U win in Nemi's first game, just just because we never ever beat Man U at home. I mean, we've already referenced how long I've been going, and I think the last time that we beat them was like two years before I'd first got a season ticket, and you know, twenty was twenty six, twenty seven years, I think it was, before we finally beaten them. So to do that in his, his first game, and I think he'd only been in charge for a handful of days, and even then. In, in that one match, you could already sort of see signs of, of what was going to come. And I, I remember I took my, my nephew to that game. It was his first game that he'd been to. And I was I was trying to explain to him, like, you don't realise how lucky you are to see this. We never beat these. This never happens. Don't get used to this. And then the next game he, he went to was the Newcastle game that I mentioned, which for me, was the most complete performance I've I've seen from a te- from a Villa team at Villa Park for at least fifteen years because we absolutely battered them that day and everyone was brilliant. So probably them too. But from a personal point of view, to to see us finally beat Man U sends Cristiano Ronaldo on his way from the Premier League. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. <laughs> I can tell you're still enjoying that one to this day. Tom, I'll come to you. What would you say the most complete performance of the season, Villa wise, was for you? Yeah, I do. Like I have to say, I do agree with the lads. I do think objectively, it's the uh, in the Newcastle one was fantastic. I also, I'd say, what I got a huge kick out of uh, two one Spurs at home uh, just a few weeks ago because we'd we'd had we'd had a bit of a dip back to back defeats. 
um, United and then that that loss at Wolves. And I think after that loss of Wolves, we were all a little bit scared of losing momentum and seeing the European thing go up in smoke. Um, so then to, I thought we bullied like that 2-1 Spurs at home. I thought we bullied Spurs off the pitch completely. We went 1-0 up quite early on, Ramsey. And it's one of those that showed the transformation with Emery's Villa. Because once we went 1-0 up against Spurs, I'm not going to lie, I think it's about eight minutes in, I knew we were going to win the game. And so you, you don't, you never used to say that about Villa, even months ago. Go 1-0 up, it's like, well, when's the equaliser coming? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when are we crashing back down to earth? But this, like that that Spurs game 2-1 was a real, you know, I had that Kane penalty at the end, didn't they? Like, they should have been a 2-0, clean sheet, wipe the floor with them. We mean business. We're finishing above you. Just try and stop us. And it's that sort of arrogance, I think, that Emery's really instilled back in Villa. And to be honest, like, it's fantastic to watch in it as a fan. Oh, it's something you just want to be injected into your veins in particular. But we're not going to have everyone answer the same question and just kind of keep going um, in that sequence. We'll, we'll mix things up so everyone gets their say and we can keep things a little bit more fresh. I don't know why... Uh, Danny's laughing and I don't know if Seb's still awake but uh, regardless of that um, I mean Danny I'll come to you for this one surprise performer of the season do you have one in particular because I mean when you sit back and you look at the grand scheme of things this season there's some obvious names in there but there might be one or two that maybe some of us have never thought of so take this one away so this is funny. Um, you come to me for the one question I had like three or four names down for. Um, but, but this is because it's not, it's not my fault. It's because, um, I wasn't expecting us to finish seventh. <laughs> so like, in a way, like everyone's a surprise performer, but I'll try and keep it succinct. Right. Louise for me is my surprise in terms of I did not expect him to play such a leading role. Like, I just thought of him as a defensive midfielder and it turns out that he can do everything. And he's like, he has been our most influential midfielder for me. So I think, I think Douglas Louise for me is the biggest shock. I wasn't expecting him to have the kind of season that he had. I watch him now and I think that's a 50 million pound midfielder. That is a Brazilian international who hadn't got picked, by the way, unfortunately. But I think Louise is the one that sticks out for me. Post January, I'm going to say Moreno. Because I don't know about you, I think for a lot of people as well, they saw him come in and thought, we've already got Dean, what's the use? But for me, he he came in and showed like defensively, he's he's okay, he's pretty good. I think in many ways, better when the ball's on the ground um, than Luca Dean in, in that kind of sense. But the goal contribution, like the attack contribution that that guy has brought and and the way that that left-hand side of Villa has embarrassed the right-hand side, at times, uh, in terms of in in terms of output, that has also been a shock. So those are the two for me. I'm going to say Louise and Moreno, and I'll let somebody else have Watkins because I'm going to take all three. <laughs> well, Simon, do you have Ollie Watkins or who do you have? I had Ashley Young. Um, more from the point that I I didn't expect him to play as much as he did, and then having him ha- played so much, I didn't think he'd be as good as he had been as well. Like. Which sounds a bit silly because I think we all sort of know that he's a quality player. But I think it was the Man City game quite early on in the season where I think Cash went off injured quite early on in the first half. And um, 
Young came on, and, and I think I was kind of like a little bit panicky, thinking, "Oh God, like he's, he might struggle here," because I don't think he'd played much up, up until that point. And there was one moment in that where I think De Bruyne had like a ten yards head start on him, and he caught up with him and just shrugged him off the ball and set up a counter attack. And I was like, oh, "Okay, that, that, that's that's impressive." And then he got better, I thought, as the season went on. And I think that ten game unbeaten run that we had, I think he started six of them. So. Yeah, I'd say Young, a surprise, not not a surprise in, in the quality, because I, I sort of always expect that from him. But I just, I didn't think he'd play as big a role as he had done and, and be as consistent as as, as he was. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with Young, but I, I get Danny's points on Louise and, and Moreno as well. I think, I think like, they're good shouts for that. Yeah, of course, now it's sad to know that Ashley Young won't be a part of the squad next season. I think that's kind of been a bit of a shock for most people Wait, maybe what? oh danny come on <laughs> you happy for about a millisecond and i thought oh my god have you fallen behind times that quickly but regardless of that let's let's give seb and tom a little bit of a different question so kind of completely turn this one on its head seb i i, I don't think you wrote down something for this if i'm thinking correctly this is the one i think you said you struggled with but if there's one player you would say would need to improve, as you give me the finger, thank you very much, love you too. Who would you say needs to improve heading into next season? No, luckily this is this isn't the question that I struggled with. I think that should come onto it later, and I'm I'm also really glad I didn't get asked the last one because I had half the squad down for that. Um, need to improve. It's a difficult one because I feel like on this run, no one's really thought about the negatives or players who aren't playing as well. I think everyone has recognised the job that everyone's done and even the rotation players who have come in. So I, I've got one or two down here. I, I'm I'm going to go for Matty Cash. I, I'm not sure whether he will have as big an impact as he'd like next season. However, you know, there's, there's obviously going to be rotation and he's going to be called upon and we are going to need to call upon his attacking talents as well as his defensive talents so yeah I think for him to gel in this Unai Emery sort of back line if you like where one fullback almost becomes a winger at times and then the other makes it into a back three I I still think he's got a lot of learning to do but I I don't want to single any player out and say they haven't been good enough or they won't be good enough or they need to improve I think that every player has a role here but my answer would be Matty Cash. Fair enough Tom how about you? I think uh, what Danny alluded to before, like I wouldn't necessarily say a particular player, but I'm I'm certainly of the opinion that Villa's left-hand side has been a lot better than Villa's right-hand side for most of this season. I, Ash, I agree completely on Ashley Young. Um, I think he's been fantastic considering his age. It is, really, it is a real shame to see him go. Um, but I think the way that like Moreno and I, I love Ramsey drifting out wide left a lot and like their, their link-up play has been fantastic. Um, and I think I've been that's been a big part of our success. A lot of that actually, Moreno and Ramsey reminded me a lot of when Jack Grealish was making Matt Target look like the best left back in the country a couple of seasons ago. Because the interplay that like Target, Grealish, and Watkins had down the left hand side, we scored so many goals down that left flank a couple of years ago. Um, and Moreno and Ramsey really have that uh Grealish and Watkins kind of vibe going on for me whereas the right hand side I'd feel like we haven't really I wouldn't necessarily say that I'd label it a problem but 
I would think that Emery's thinking on where he has to improve this summer probably skews quite heavily towards the right-hand side. Like, for example, centre center midfield, we're definitely going to sign a central midfielder, like whether it's Yuri Tielemans or not. Um, every day there's a different name, isn't there? Get used to this for the summer. Um, but we're definitely going to sign a central midfielder. But I honestly think we're signing, if we sign a central midfielder, we're signing one for rotation. Because you're going to break up Douglas Luiz and Bubakar Kamara? I don't think so, really. Um, but we're going to need more depth if we want to be playing 50, however, 50 games a season, even more. Whereas I would say the right-hand side at both right-back and right-wing, if you're looking at Leon Bailey as like mostly the first-choice winger, you can upgrade on both of those for me now, to be honest. I like Matty Cash and Bailey has his moments. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I get might get stick for it. I've had stick for it in the past. I've still, I've still not seen anything really from Leon Bailey that makes me think he can start 30 games a season on the right wing and have the kind of impact you want from him. He can come off the bench on Thursday night in Moldova, but I'm not really fussed about him being our starting winger. Bertrand Traore, it's nice that he had his great moment at Leicester. I think you're you're overreaching a little bit, suggesting that if anyone suggests Bertrand Traore can be our starting right winger at the level we want to be at. Mate, so no disrespect like to games. these guys. It's just reality. Like Mate, there was like two games where everybody thought Bertrand Traore was back. Like that that, <laughs> that was that was the return. Yeah, yeah. It's the, like the yeah the shortest resurgence in history. Um, they're useful players if we can sell them on for profit. I'm the you know if somebody comes in with a big offer for Leon Bailey, I'm saying yes personally. Um, so that would be me. Like, it's not that I'm necessarily saying those players have to improve, but I think we need to improve upon those players on a consistent basis if we want to be, you know, where we want to be next year, which is taking at the very minimum maintaining the level we've been at since November, you know, if not stepping forward again. 100%. I'll put one nomination out there, and this definitely, it's its just to be different. I mean, you could, I could say Leon Bailey very easily, and a number of other players that are probably uh, more priority in terms of maybe who I would say need to, to step up, per se. Um, but I, I don't know if this is being harsh, but I would like to see more from Emby Buendia next season. The reason I say that is because he's going to have to play arguably more games with the rotation, and I would just like to see him create a little bit more, maybe he'll be a little bit more tidy on the ball. He did lose it quite often. And just, I guess, maybe put a little bit more in terms of goal productivity into the back of the net. I think the ability is there, but I mean, considering the amount he was also signed for too, I don't know if we've fully seen that consistency yet. I mean, you can say that about a number of players, of course, um, but he's one that I, I think has that potential and he needs to reach that at some point. Whereas you look at someone like Leon Bailey, for instance, I'll be honest, I think he's never going to hit it there with us. Um, I know that you can say that's your prototypical winger, but um, the fact that Burton Triari literally basically said hello and goodbye within a two game span, um, you could argue his contributions were probably maybe even at the same level of Leon Bailey's on the entire season. Um, But maybe that's to be debated for another day, but Anyways, let's get to probably the best topic um, that we can potentially even talk about for this edition of the podcast, and that being Lord Unai Emery. Let's just have a little bit of a a love session, appreciation session of the um, professor, the master of everything in terms of the Villa Kingdom fandom, whatever you want to call it. Simon, I, I know you're gushing for this one, so just let all your appreciation out for Lord Unai. I mean, he's just amazing, isn't he? The, I, I mean, we. I think for the last couple of months now, on every single podcast that we've done, 
there's been sort of five, ten minutes of us all just talking about just what a great job he's done and how amazing he's been. And like, I, I, I don't think it can be understated just how good a job he's done. Like, I, I'm, I'm sort of repeating myself on previous podcasts that we've done, but the position that we were in when he took over was was in such a bad position and to to, to get us to where we finished from from where he took it is obviously amazing but it's not it's not just that it's how quickly he sort of implemented that style of football in into those players who for the first 10 11 games of the season looked like they had no idea what they were meant to be doing when they stepped onto the pitch and I just I, I I can't really believe that we got him that at the time we did when you think was it a year before he sort of turned Newcastle down when yeah, they weren't in a great position but they'd just been taken over so everyone knew what was going to happen with them. So the fact that we got him and he sort of come came to the Premier League with a bit of a point to prove unfairly I think I think he'd been sort of fairly maligned for his time at Arsenal. But the, the the job that he's done, it's it's just incredible. The the performances he's got of some of these players, and I just I can't wait to to see see what else will happen with us under him. I I think he's until he, I think he probably needs to win something to for me to say that he's the best manager I've seen in my lifetime because I've seen I've seen us win a trophy. So he's still got a way to go to get that title but he's he's not far away I mean to be fair though the last 10 years his competition hasn't been great <laughs> has it so um, yeah I, I think we've just got one of the best managers not, not just in the Premier League I think we've got the best, one of the best managers in, in Europe managing our club and yeah long may it continue I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Absolutely. Now, Seb, this is your time to shine, of course. Going from Stevie G to Unai Emery, I mean, just just give us your thoughts. There, there's a catch in this. So I'll wait till you're done at the end. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it, well, it's night and day, really, isn't it? Um, you, you look at you look at the job that Gerard did, and you 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 look at it overall, and you can see see obvious flaws that have come out of his time at the club now certain starting the season with a bench consisting of Tyrone Mings, Ollie Watkins and Douglas Louise obviously doesn't look great looking back now um I think 
he he picked fights with the wrong players at the wrong time. He picked a fight with the fans at the wrong time in the season. It's obviously hard going to lose your number two just before the season starts, especially for a, a youngish manager still sort of, if you like, at the start of his tenure. But I mean, yeah, it, it is complete night and day. Absolutely. Now, Simon, Seb is your um, podcast son, so I need permission to do what I'm about to do. So should I do it? I'm really scared. Okay. I'm really, really scared. So just just to refresh you, and of course, this isn't to be mean-spirited, of course, but I've said a lot of stupid things on podcasts oh, before. No. Um, oh, no. Feel free to go find those and make fun of me. I know I have for a fact. I'm sure Danny could probably think of a few if he wanted to. Oh, um, no. Or told me points where I've had to edit out in the past. Um, but let's cast our minds back to October 4th of 2022. Um, of course, Simon and Seb were recording a, a reaction to uh, Leeds United nil, Aston Villa nil, everyone's favorite game of eternity, of course. And um, I don't know if I'll have to play over the actual audio on this, so hopefully it plays clear on this. It would save me some editing, but this is what uh, Seb had to say. Anyone else in the market, I don't think is an upgrade on Gerard. So it would have to be him in my eyes. You, we, there, there was some talks about Unai Emery. That's not going to be much more exciting. You saw it with Arsenal. <laughs> so, Seb, um, how would you like to react to that? <laughs> oh, the reactions from all of us. Oh, you've been stitched right up there, Seb. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I don't... There's nothing I can say that can almost make that any better i i actually remember that recording but i don't remember saying that and i i remember holding on to gerard for so long thinking the more we chop and change <laughs> we're never gonna get any improvement but wow do you want do you want my letter of resignation now or in the morning <laughs> well actually we have to sign you to uh an extension so you can keep doing the match previews because um that's that's your job so that's that's your deal to make sure i have less work going forward so there's your punishment if if that's one at all i would just but, like to make a public apology to anyone listening and of course unai emery um i can't believe i ever doubted you i am very very sorry yeah, can i no. stick up for uh, for seb here go ahead like we please like, no no it's just you know there was it was one of those things where we were convinced like the players themselves weren't taking it seriously because there was some terrible performances man like you know Ming, Mings was, was playing poorly so was Konza like McGinn was just missing and like it was part of it where you're thinking Gerard, like what's he supposed to do but it's evident now that like the guy just is not a Premier League manager the guy just he comes from the Frank Lampard school of management where like there isn't you know, there there isn't that experience there. There isn't that sort of evidence that that they know how to coach a team to that elite Champions League or even top Premier League standards. So of course, when when Unai Emery gets gets mentioned, you know, we're used to a certain standard, <laughs> we're used to a certain level of play that we're convinced Villa are capable of. So um, the fact that they went above and beyond with him. I don't think anybody could have predicted it because the, we would have all looked at that squad and thought this this isn't getting anywhere. No, absolutely. And uh, like I mean, to be honest, as soon as we won under Jared, I'm pretty sure I labeled the podcast 
uh, Stevie G's Clarendon Blue Army or something like that. I think we were all pretty well taken away. Um, I take no, um, I guess, um, guilt with this or any blame. Um, Simon sent me this about a couple hours prior to us recording this. So if you want to throw it at him, he basically, um, in a passive aggressive way, saying, I'm sick of Sam making fun of my lack of hair. I'm tired of the abuse. And it's all come out here. And he also sent me a little clip of um, a very smart point he made just moments after on that one. Um, but just because Simon's being so mean, I'm not going to play it right now, of course, just to make Seb um, save face and feel a little bit better. But it was a very good point, Simon. Don't worry. Um, let's try to rate the season if it's at all possible. This one, I want everyone to contribute because... Um, yeah, I I don't even know where I still want to rate this season as a whole. But Tom, I'll come to you first. Out of uh, from a scale of one to ten, really, where would you rate this season? It's gonna be an uh, it's gonna be a typically annoying answer from me because the problem is with like trying to rate a season out of ten depends on your context and your framing, doesn't it? Like if you're rating this season based on what I thought Villa were capable of last summer, I'd probably give it like an eight. If you rate this season based on what I thought Villa were capable of at the end of October, it's an 11. And if you rate this season based on what I think Villa Villa under Unai Emery are capable of for a whole season, then it's probably like a 7, because I think, honestly, we're capable of more. Um, All told, have an 8 from me. Have an 8, 8.5 from me. Um, because I don't think any of us any of us expected this at all, really. Like, if we're being honest, we're just talking about qualifying for Europe, but I certainly never expected it. I spent all season pretty much being like, stop talking about Europe. It's not happening, guys. Dream on. Let's not, let's not set ourselves up for a fall. Um, so it's hard to rate it any less than like an 8, really, considering that's where we ended up. Tom, I'm not gonna lie. That is the shortest answer. I thought I thought it'd be much longer from you, to be honest. I was like, I'm going red in the face <laughs> trying to keep that to like less than three thousand <laughs> words. Yeah, it's all good as long as you keep writing the articles. To be honest, um, you can put you can put your extra words there. Um, <laughs> regardless, don't make promises the... you can't keep. Paul. That's <laughs> no. all I'm saying about that. Of course, if, if we did that and we had very high expectations or Villa season on season, um, we'd be like Simon have no hair or like Tom and I that are basically slow, slightly rolling back. See Simon, we're joining your club regardless of that. Simon rate this season from one to 10. I, I went for 7.5 on this one just cause I had to take it like the whole season altogether. You can't forget just how bad the start was. And also I, it would have been, I would have put it up to an eight if we'd have had a bit more of an FA cut run. I think losing to Stevenage, you know that that was bad. Let's be honest. No, no one enjoyed that. So I, I think you sort of got to knock a, a mark after that. But I, I think, like, yeah, had, if you doing the first two months of the season, it'd be like a one or two, and then since every come in, you, you're sort of looking at eight and a half, nine. So yeah, average out at seven and a half. So a good season. Absolutely, Seb. How are you scoring this one? It's really difficult because I actually wrote in my notes 10 because of where we've obviously ended up and and how it's drawn to a conclusion. But listening to the other guys speak, I think I'd forget just how bad it was at the start of this season. I mean, I was there at Bournemouth on the opening day and most of our other disappointing away and home defeats that, that shortly followed after that. And then obviously the loss to Stevenage as well. 
it just doesn't feel like this season. It, it feels like such a drawn out season because of the World Cup. It feels like that happened years ago. But yeah, I'm going to slightly bump it down and, and go to a nine. The only reason it's not a 10 is because of obviously what the boys have mentioned. Fair enough. Danny, where's this one sit with you? I don't know why we're scratching our heads too much over this. I, I think I think we're, we're thinking about this too deep. The start of the season, what would have been a good finish for Villa? That's that's the question I'd ask, right? I feel like Top if 10? you're in the champion... Hmm? Top 10? I Top think 10, right? So that's what's expected. That's what's expected. So for me, if you finish top 10, I'll go 7 or 6. If we're 10, maybe, I don't know. I think it's 7, right? I think I think below that, you're kind of looking at sort of relegation battles and that kind of thing. We weren't, we're not there. We were there at one point in the season, but, um, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to go off Villa's first 11 games, then Arsenal would have had a, a, a 10 by Christmas, right? Like, the thing is, I think Villa went above their expectations just about and, and finished, you know, finished seventh, got into conference league. And I'd say that's an eight. I'd say that, I'd say that going off that it's an eight because yeah, we had a horrible start to the season, but they canceled it out. If, if we'd have kept Gerard for a little bit, left it until Christmas um, and then brought, brought Unai Emery in for us to finish, you know, top 10, then you go, okay, well, you know, it wasn't so good. But you've got to imagine, you know, the run that Villa went on after those 11 games under Gerrard. It's insane. You know, there, there was defeats to to Man City. Okay, we had the uh, Man City, Man United, you know, some of the big sides. Okay, we lost to Wolves near the end of the season when when the pressure was on. You know, okay, we lost to Leicester and I think it was Arsenal, you know, a couple of games in a row when, you know, there was a lot of games happening but the amount of wins that we racked up i don't think you can expect it um from 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 anybody you know in terms of that in terms of that form even newcastle united uh, they didn't have that kind of form in such a concentrated period of time um so for me i think it's an eight i think it's an eight i'd I'd have gone nine if we finished in europa league i'd have gone 10 if we finished in the champions league or won the title so yeah i I think next season next season i think it's good (laughs) next season Next season, you'd you'd get an eight for finishing Champions League, personally. No, no, Danny, come on, that's ridiculous. <laughs> You're getting a ten. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. No, I'll give it eight. I'll give it eight. I think we were very close to getting Europa League, but we didn't. But the way that we pulled it back in the end, and and the way that they kept their heads in Tottenham in the in the Tottenham, Liverpool, and Brighton games at the end, wow. Like that, that for me really showed me what this team is capable of because I have not seen that sort of mental strength in the Villa side since I started supporting the club. So, yeah, they they they, they pulled it back. Fair play to them. Um, very close to this being a seventh season, but it's an eight. The point about the the Liverpool game is good. I, I overlooked that earlier when talking about that because I know it's only a one all draw, but I mentioned the Spurs home game and we won two one. I thought. Played them off the park. Liverpool away is another great. It's really is a great example of how far this Villa team have come. Because I came away from that conceding what like an 89th minute equaliser or whatever, and then 10 minutes of added time. I came away from that just like proud of this team that they'd got a point in that game because we'd have lost that so many times before. So yeah, hundred um, percent. I would say for me, I'm going to give it a nine. Maybe it's a little up there in terms of that, but considering this is the Highest I've ever seen Villa finish. Um, that's going to jump it up for me. And 
when you look at the first half compared to the second half, I mean, look how we absolutely got smashed by Newcastle earlier on in the season. And then to, for me, the best performance of the season was that result at Villa Park, the most complete thing that I've seen in maybe all my <laughs> limited years of following Villa. Um, I mean, it just, there's so many different parallels from the start to the end, and you can see that progression. Of course, the cup runs weren't great by any means. Um, of course, the FA Cup was probably one of the most embarrassing things of the season, but maybe that also puts into context um, the work that Unai Emery has to do this summer and to um, thin out and then add on in some aspects as well. Um, to finish in a European spot, didn't think it would ever happen, and um, like a few you guys have said, if Gerard would have stayed any longer, this wouldn't have happened. And um, the fact that we went from the anger and anguish of losing to Fulham, him being gone, not knowing what the season's going to be, and especially from a content-wise, um, thinking, oh, God, this is just going to be another relegation scrap for <laughs> covering a whole season, isn't it? It's not going to be a fun one when we had all that expectation. And even going into the season, um, I always felt a little concerned that we were struggling to score against um, Australian league teams, let's be honest. Um, we probably should have put them away a little bit neat, uh, neater than we did um, with those 1-0 wins. Somehow we were really convinced by Stevie G's plan at that point, some of us at least. Um, and to just kind of round it all off in the way at the end of the season against Brighton, where, of course, we all know they already had Europa League um qualification wrapped up so maybe it wasn't as enticing for them but the way that the players and Unai Emery had them up for it that mentality that's a winner's mentality and even from just that mental aspect of going from one extreme at the start of the season to now um, for me that's why I give it a nine and that's why I have so much hope for going into next season Um, we'll do two more questions I just actually came up with one in my head Um, one these guys are already aware of but going into next season guys in particular i mean what would be a success for you simon i mean of course europa conference league um there's the cups there's the league where would you consider villa or do you think we'll kind of finish going into next season if you're gonna kind of put your uh swami hat on and look into the future I'm going to give like a really boring sit-on-the-fence answer here. Like These type of questions, I don't think you can properly answer them until you see like, what transfer business, not just Villa do, but other clubs as well. Like It's it's, it's almost an impossible one to answer because you've no idea what our squad is going to look like come the start of the season. You don't know what you know what, what Tottenham are going to do, for example. Chelsea, you can't imagine they'd be as bad as they've been this season. Um so that's, I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to really sit on the fence and say that I kind of, I don't really know how to answer that one. I, I think we will, I think we will progress. That, not necessarily in terms of league position, although I think we are capable of it, but certainly from, from like the Cups, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we made it a cup final, not necessarily win, but, you know, really least got to one of the three cup finals. So, yes, I, it's probably not the answer that you, that you were hoping that I'd give, but I, I, I don't think you can answer that until, until you see what business everyone sort of does over the summer. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I guess from this point of view, it's always interesting to see what we say now and then how we're feeling come the start of the season when things have changed. Hopefully we've made it through the Conference League playoffs that we didn't draw Rapid Vienna or something like that and we're all crying our eyes out. Um, Danny, I'll, I'll come to you heading into next season. What are you expecting in particular? So the Europa Conference League is a funny one because we could draw Juventus and get knocked out and that would probably just kill everybody's like expectations, but there's, there's a chance it could happen, right? <laughs> um, but... Look, for me, that's a knockout competition. It is what it is. What I want to see, to be honest, is progression in the league. I want to see us still competing up there. Many people could look at West Ham's season and say, you know, they win the, they win the Conference League and they, they make it through to the next, uh, you know, the Europa League next season. Perfect. Great. But where they finished, like, that's concerning. It's really concerning. Um, and it, and it showed an inability to be able to keep up with, with, with with the two things. I want to see Villa build a squad that is able to compete in the league and compete in the Conference League. And that for me is success. I don't I would not trade winning the Europa Conference League for a um yeah, for like a Europa League place or a Conference League league place. Really? So, no, I wouldn't. I understand that I understand the whole perspective of like winning things and how important that is. But what what is the point of winning a cup if um, you're getting trampled in the league, and uh, you know, and there's a lack of consistency because that's what you need. You need consistency to, to to stay in stay at that level and to have players want to be in your team and to have players want to stay in your team. Who's moving to West Ham in the summer? True. <laughs> I, I that's guess. my that's my question. That's that I I I get it. I get it. I, and I've got a couple of old heads maybe who are who are here going. That's ridiculous. Silverware is the main thing. I want silverware, but I want consistent silverware in the future. I don't want a one-off cup. Otherwise, it could just end up like Birmingham City. So, so there. Do you think it's? Do you think? Okay. Do you think, just playing devil's advocate here? Do you think it's realistic to expect us at this moment or going into next season being able to fight on all fronts in the Conference League, in the league, in the cups as well? Do you think we're at that stage yet, or do you think it is too soon? I don't think it's a case of choosing one. I think you you either can or you can't, and I don't see why you'd you'd utterly fail on one and 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 succeed in the other. I do think that Villa needs squad depth. Yeah, I do think we need squad depth, but we're you know I think we're in a place where there's no excuse if we don't have that squad depth come the start of the season. We definitely need squad depth. Cause, I mean, I was t- looking at this earlier because, like, the, the Tielemans rumor, which you know I mentioned before, will be out of date by the time this comes out, I'm sure. But like, it's that thing. Like, I think Villa fans hoping we can compete on all fronts means realistically what you're saying is you hope Villa play what 55 games next season. If you want us to compete on all fronts, you want us to go relatively deep in the Conference League and get a Wembley trip. You know, so if you want 55. What you're really saying there is that as well as like Bubakar Kamara and Douglas Louise, even if they start every game in the league together, we need a midfielder who can come in and can make 15, 20 starts in addition to that. So it's like, do you want that to be Leander Dendonka? Because like, no offense, no disrespect to Leander Dendonka. I don't want that. I don't want he to be that, him to be that guy. And so you need that in every position if one do it. So like to, to Simon's point from before and Danny's point, like it's very difficult to assess when we haven't had the summer yet. what The only thing I will say is two things. A, I have full confidence in Unai Emery making those kind of acquisitions. If Alex Moreno is anything to go by, 
on the kind of player that Emery wants to bring in. Sign me up for whoever he wants. Secondly, can we win an FA Cup game, please? Just one. Just one FA Cup no, game. Because then we'd have too many games, Tom. We need to win one FA Cup game. That 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 monkey's got to get off the back sooner rather than later. Is this eight? Is this something like eight years now going into this? We haven't, you know, going into this the next one. Um, so yeah, let's win an FA Cup game. Then, if you want, we can go out of that as long as we win the, you know, we can win the League Cup, win the League Cup, win the Conference League, FA Cup fourth round, sixth in the league. There you go. Well, you know what? Here, actually, let's put this out here. Anyone can answer this. If okay, I'll put. I'll, I'll put it in this way. If Villa finished, let's say, we slightly regressed in the league. Say we finished ninth, we'll, we'll say. We won the Conference League. We came in, we'll say, the semifinals of the FA Cup. And we went out in, like, the round of 16 in the Carabao Cup. Is that a successful season? Yeah, I'll take that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have that. <laughs> I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually that. struggling to believe that this is a debate. Well, I, no, because Seb, I'll sorry to cut you off, off, though. People literally, unfortunately, there's small groups that if, unfortunately, if we don't win any, everything, it's a failure, which I, I get ultra competitiveness. But some people prioritize league over cup and vice versa. That's where the debate starts. Yes, I'd take it. Okay. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think a lot of Villa fans, to Danny's point, the debate has always been, you know, Villa fans really want cup success. It's just like ingrained because either you still, you've seen it and you've, and you've missed it. Or if you're like me, you're like Cole, you're like Seb and Danny as well. Never seen us win anything. Um, no, no, so no, no wonder we want it, you know. But then it's that eternal debate of like, how many league places are you willing to trade to win a trophy. Of course, things are different now because nowadays if you win a trophy, you do you, most of the time, if not all the time, you do also get Europe. So for me, that does shift the balance slightly. Like I would take 10th if we won a competition that, 100%. Get, that gets us 100%. into Europe the next season, you know. Um, but I'll take whatever Danny's... place necessary as long as we're not in a relegation battle and there's no threat at all. That's the thing. See, I, I would have said that. But it's like Danny's point, like if you want to keep building and keep showing that you can sustain this growth and we want to be able to attract the type of player we want, you know, we want, to be frank, we want Unai Emery to stick around as manager. Um, How low can you go in the league, even if you're winning like a cup competition before that is in danger? When you're competing at the top, uh, at the the level that we were competing in the league this season with European places at stake, there's jeopardy. It's entertainment. Do you want to be sat here in March April not next year, not giving a crap about your Saturday game because you, you're fighting. If it for means a, that everything is on the line for the Thursday game, then surely. What Thursday game? There's, there's they're few and far between. Do you think that West Ham have had a successful season? They've had a successful Conference League. Overall, you might. Do you think say... they've had a successful season? Fifty-fifty. Only yeah. if they win that. Only if they win. Yeah. If they don't win, then. Yeah, it's, it's great getting to the final, but they've not won anything and they're in a relegation battle up until the last sort of three or four games. So I'd say that as well. Play. Like That's a problem is it does all ride on whether you actually win the tournament that you go deep in. Otherwise, like, what have you, it's like, it's like the whole first loser mentality. Like, sometimes it's toxic, but like, what have you really got to show for it apart from a few, few, few of their supporters had a few good away days, you know? Their recruitment literally relies on that result. 
because realistically, if they don't have Europe next season, they might have to thin out their squad. And then, then you have the aspect of, well, you want to recruit better players. And then I don't know why we're talking about West Ham so much, but anyways, you know what I mean? But it's that thing though about Villa, like <laughs> in a way it's weird, but like what a privilege to be able to be having this conversation about Villa. Like we'd never have thought we'd be having this conversation about Villa, like weighing up what constitutes success among the four tournaments that we'll be competing in. You know? Well, we don't have to worry about uh, losing a hundred million pound player anymore, at least for now, maybe in a couple of years. Um, so that could be West Ham's um, worry uh, for this summer. But uh, regardless of that, let's And Tottenham, get... by the way, Cole. Oh. West Ham and Tottenham, same True. thing. All the teams around us, all of them are losing players. Brighton, West Ham and Tottenham. Sorry, I just had to put that, ah, we're, put we're, that out there. We're, we're going to win the league next season at this rate. Everyone's dying off and we're just going on. I don't know. Danny, what have you done? I, I don't know. I'm delusional now. Um, let's do one more prediction. I just want a, a quick one from everyone, just because I want to compare what we say now to the start of the season and see how stupid we look at want the sti- Want to stitch somebody else up, don't you? I Absolutely. see what you're doing. Well, I've said enough stupid things, so let's pass the, the buck to something else. Uh, Tom, I'll start with you because you've decided to say something. Um, <laughs> Conference League, how far are we going next season? It's like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because, like, to Danny's point, if we end up getting unseeded and we draw like Juventus or whatever. I'll I'll twist your words, and what I'll say is where where the only thing I would be outright like really disappointed or upset with. I was gonna say I would get out the group stage. Like, I, I really want to see us get out the group stage. Um, if we don't make the group stage, it's gonna be really hard to. That's gonna be really hard to stomach. I'm not gonna lie. If we don't even make the group stage and playoffs again, just because that's we're, we've all got PTSD, haven't we, from that? Um, so I think as long as we make the group stage, we'll all have a nice time. We should like as long as we get out. If we get out the group stage, we reach the knockouts. I kind of think anything beyond that in that tournament is a bonus. I know there's that talk like it's only the third tournament. Like Villa should be looking to compete and win it. It's easier said than done, though, isn't it? That's the thing, as we've just spent the last like 15 minutes talking about. 100%. Simon, I'll come to you. Um, predictions? I'm going to go very positive and say that we'll at least make the quarterfinal. So, you know, Emery in a European competition, like, he's just look at his record. It's, it's ridiculous. And sort of, like, just circling back on the point about how you don't want Europe to affect sort of league form going into next season. I think we're in a strong position because of the manager we've got. We've, you look at sort of like West Ham and, you know, David Moyes and uh, like British managers. They don't necessarily take the Conference League or the Europa League quite so seriously, do they? So they kind of, they don't really know how to manage it. Whereas Emery, he, he knows how to manage league form and European competition. So I, I think that'll help us. But yeah, I'll get quarterfinal at least. Love the confidence, Sam. Are we winning it? I, I, that is the question that I really struggled with when you asked earlier. Um, I, I didn't even know where to start with it. Um, yeah, if, if you had to push me for an answer, I'll say semis off of absolutely no backing or previous thought whatsoever. But just as long as we make it to the group stage, as long as the thought of not is is already worrying me inside. So I'm I'm just going to try and enjoy it. It's been it's been a long time since I've since I've seen Villa in Europe, so let's not try and get bogged down by what could, can and can't happen, and let's just enjoy the ride. So, how old were you the last time we were in Europe? Let's be honest. What year were we in Europe? Twenty ten. Yes. Six. Oh Jesus! <laughs> no comment, Danny. I'll pass this one to you. 
predictions? Yeah, look, it's that first game that's bothering me. As long as we make it through that, um, I think we make it to at least the quarters. And I'd, I'd have us, I'd have us down to make the final. To be honest, if we if we make it through that group stage, sorry, if we make it through to the group stage, I think I think we could we could have a good long old slog at it. To be honest, I think I think I've seen enough of Emery to know that the games that matter, the club do or the players do have that mental, yeah, that 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 mental solidity to be able to to win the games they're supposed to win. That I feel confident about that. So, yeah, as long as we start, you know, drawing Dundalk, etc., uh, we'll be fine. Are we hundred percent unseated now? Or no, we're not. It's not, deci- not decided. Yeah. yeah, too many variations. I'm so confused. Should we go through the maths on it now? Or no, we'll, we'll do this in another one. Jesus, <laughs> that could be the hour-long follow-up <laughs> podcast. Yeah, there, yeah. Are, there are Twitter threads. Seek out the Twitter threads because I, I don't think anybody's managed to get their head around it. No, I've tried to do the math and I can't. Um, actually, the um, 7,500 to Holt Twitter page, Cheeky Pug, we did um, retweet one, I think, last week. So scroll through some of that and you can probably find it there. Um, at least I think we did, but uh, maybe I'm a liar. Um, we're probably going to draw, draw Juve now and become unseated now that we're being all this confident. But uh, regardless of that, I'm just going to be the stupid Canadian here and say we're going to win it. Why not? Okay. Just one person has to say it. I'm going to say it. If West Ham can do it, we can do it. And if they <laughs> clip lose it, it we someone can do clip better. it. I... Someone make a note. You know what? That optimism is better than what you said any day of the week. So I am absolutely clear on that one. But um, in terms of that, I'll pass this to you guys for a brief moment. If you guys have any, I guess not maybe favorite moment of the season or funny favorite moment of the season if anyone wants to pipe in i'll I'll throw it to you guys now and just leave it as an open-ended question it's not a funny one but well i don't know it depends how you how you look at it but um fulham like what a wild ride that was i'm talking about the 3-0 defeat with gerard (laughs) and gerard ended up getting sacked afterwards and i remember just having this total feeling of like dude you have to laugh like I I I I was head in my hands, just watching it unfold and just like laughing to myself about how on earth that has happened. So yeah, I think I think Fulham three nil was a wild ride for me, and I I shouldn't call it my favorite season, but it's what sticks out to me, like vividly. It's allowed to be a favorite. It's allowed to be one of your favorite moments now as well because it led to this. Do you know what I mean? Like the context, like looking back with hindsight. And you're right about you had to laugh. I was like, there were a couple of times, I'm not going to lie, early in the season, whereas you see people getting really, like, obviously getting really, really angry on social media about Villa or whatever. And at some, there are times you just have to embrace the fact that you're an absolute shit show and that you could play 90 minutes four times over and nothing would go right. That's that's genuinely where I felt we were um, at that point. I've got a little shout, a moment I really liked, very, very small and very sort of kind of inconsequential, although I guess it, sealed the game for us john mcginn scoring at stanford bridge delighted for him like finally one of his fucking 25 yarders flying in um the 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 redemption arc complete huge result you know uh is one of my favorite players of the modern gen like the sort of modern villa generation like the last you know i honestly one of my villa favorite villa players this century um partly because of who he is off the pitch so to see him come back so strongly this season under emory um was fantastic and i thought that that 
goal at Stamford Bridge from him seemed like it was a big sort of uh, big release for him. Do you know what I mean? Like a big moment for him. Yeah, I would say I have two. Um, the one that it's it, I I feel bad for Ashley Priest, um, but basically when Gerard was just absolutely giving him hell about Cameron Archer and all the questions about his future. Um, <laughs> you, you just have to laugh at this point. Um, the second one I would have to say maybe is a feel good moment, but just Traore scoring basically almost one of the goals of the season, um, absolutely nowhere. And he became the, the godsend savior of our season without him. We would not be in the conference league, which is mental to say in the year 2023, but, uh, that's how I feel. But Simon Seb, do you guys have any? Um, little one that's that I remember that, that I did particularly enjoy was Emery's first game we beat Man U and uh was Emmy Martinez just doing headers on the edge of his own box. Like that was that was just brilliant taking the piss and uh, sort of precursor to the sort of goat levels of shithousery he produced during the World Cup as well. So yeah, I I did enjoy that. That 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 was beautiful. That's that's our Emmy. I love him. I can't. I, I, how have you remembered that? Because it's a goalkeeper. Simon remembers everything. Head on the edge <laughs> of the box against Man U. Like, how do you not remember that? Yes, sir. I, I, I don't know how to follow that up. Um, I don't think I can follow that up. I'm just. I'm going to sit on the fence here and say everything that's already been mentioned. Oh, go back to. So, how do you sleep? sit on the fence Jeez. on this, man? Oh, my I can't goodness. think of anything else. You don't have a favorite moment or anything. You're that miserable today. No. Go back to bed. <laughs> Jesus. My my favorite moment would be Leicester away, but it's boring, isn't it? Well, that's basically what I said. Uh, it can be exactly. anything. Like, I mean, I I love how Unai Emery basically in every interview gets asked a question and then says like "Good afternoon" and "Good evening," then gets into. His post match is just very professional. It's like his own little kind of quirk um, that I absolutely love every time. I, I don't. It doesn't mean anything, but I, I just love that. That's our manager that does that. And there's so many things he could be positive about. I don't know. John McGinn bodying someone with his behind. I don't know. Dougie changing his hair color three times and going Super Saiyan back to normal and still having the powers. Come on, Seth. There you go. Brighton at home when it the decision went to VAR. Brighton's goal went to VAR and Douglas turned around and gave the whole tender news before it came out from the referee. That's my favourite moment. There we go. Okay, we don't have to be completely miserable here. But um, anyways, I think this is a good way to um, end uh, this edition of the Holtcast. It wraps up another season. The 2022-2023 season is now shut closed and will be remembered as one will hopefully never forget. Hopefully the start of something special under Unai Emery and this of course is this is where I do the sappy end of season thank yous to everybody um where I get slightly emotional because it means we're all getting another year older hopefully it means everyone's still here when we do next seasons um and hopefully we all have a good time during next season and don't become absolutely miserable like Seb is after his little slumber uh but regardless of that of course thank you very much to Simon he's always here he's always reliable always has good input he doesn't say silly things like what Seb said earlier on in the season and of course to Seb Seb does a lot of work behind the scenes he does all, basically all of the opposition match previews he's always looking out for new guests gives me new opinions is always appreciated um I have to kind of be like an older brother and approve his boots for charity matches and design custom shin pads for him I don't know why he needed custom shin pads but regardless of that and of course 
Danny hasn't been around much this season, but Danny's always welcome whenever he wants to come in and have a chat. Danny's been here longer than I have. Danny has been one of the most reliable people in the past and the chats and all the good stuff. We'll have to do more of that next season. And of course, to Tom, Tom is the, how do, how do I describe Tom? Tom can describe anything and put it into the most sensical words, if that's even a sentence. Um, regardless of that, um, Tom's always there to help out. And of course, he's helping out with the writing now a bit too. And um, yeah, it's it's always appreciated for the help. And um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I get I kind of get emotional during these things. I don't know why. I mean, I feel like a proud parent that's watched everyone grow up or something like that. Um, but and to everyone listening, of course, thank you for supporting the Holt cast. I think this is Danny, is this our fifth, fourth or fifth season doing this together? I can't even remember at this point. How many seasons have we been in the Premier League? Is this our fourth? We've been in four seasons in the Premier League. Yes, so four. Okay. I've been on this for like six. Seven. <laughs> so like, I don't know. Maybe okay. four, yeah. Yeah. I so think four. maybe fifth, you know. I'd say fifth. Okay. Well, anyways, fourth or fifth, but um, it's it's always been a pleasure. And um, to everyone that, like I said, that's been listening and the numbers keep growing, the support's been there, even though there's been glitches in the background that have made things change um the sport has always kept growing and surpassed um what it has been before and just to that i say thank you to everybody hopefully you stick around we should hopefully be back within the next week or so or knowing our luck by the time i put this out in a day or two there'll be groundbreaking news that we'll have to be right back for but uh, anyways big thank you to everyone and of course if you're listening to this and somehow got this far through all this sappy stuff um, leave a positive view on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just makes it easier for everyone to follow us. But of course, follow Simon at Sio Regan. Find, follow Seb at Sebastian Bacon 8. Danny at Razagerno. I still know his Twitter handle, even though he hasn't been here for like three months. <laughs> follow Tom at TD Nightingale. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com and of course of course um i'm starting to lose it here check out the website triple w dot 7500 which hopefully should have much more content going into next season we'll leave it there and of course don't forget up the villa We're going.